Forgotten Flicks, episode 46, Black Christmas, 1974. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. I am Joel, and I'm joined, as always, by Dirty Filthy Billy. Hey, Billy, how you doing? It's it's me, Billy! Agnes! Um, you sound like a neutered beavis. <laughs> Just so we're clear on that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. man, that is the most, the most effed up. Uh, voice and or phone call and or killer uh, ever. Okay. Ever. Um, yeah, Jason, Jason, we're going to get this out of the way right now. There is going to be no suspense, no tease whatsoever for this episode. Jason no. and I are total freaking fanboys for this movie. Yes. And by the way, F the remake. And <laughs> which is pretty much, you know, status quo around here. And yeah. it, it, other than John Carpenter remakes, those are meaning like that he remakes other people's movies, not that people remake his movies. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I digress. So yes, Black Christmas, 1974. Jason and I, one of the this was one of the first movies that before we ever started doing the podcast that he and I talked about, that if we're going to do a podcast, eventually we want to cover this movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as my wife said, of course, I think, I could be wrong. She may have been sarcastic when she said this. Wow, that's an appropriate <laughs> Christmas movie, which I agree I think it's a totally appropriate Christmas movie. I'm. It's uh, according to, uh, and we'll get into this more, but according to some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, apparently the Presleys love this movie, and when the king was still alive, watched it every Christmas. Um, and now, apparently, uh, Lisa Marie and... There you go. And uh, if it's good enough yeah, for the king. they still watch it, so... If it's good enough for the king. Much, oh, oh, much like oh, a horse and... tranquilizer or a, uh, you know, overdose of quaaludes. <laughs> Then it's Deep good fried peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. Deep fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sandwich. No. Yeah. And one of my favorite actors and one of my favorite musicians, Steve Martin, uh, it's one of his favorite movies, too. That's because Steve Martin, Sans Pink Panther remakes, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We won't count that stuff. That's That's got to pay the Bentley bills, Bentley payment. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We know, <laughs> we know Steve's probably hurting for coin, so. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Yes. So there's there's no qualm. We will not play games tonight. I love this movie. Uh, currently love it, and we'll talk more in detail because I think this movie is very significant. Um, and I know you and I have talked. There are quite a few people that we know who have never seen it. 
Um, and yeah. so tonight, I think, is an important night because this is, I think, an historic uh, horror flick. And while some of you may not be uh, big horror fans, uh, this is a, a pretty big movie in the genre. It's been very quiet. Uh, the remake sucked. But this one is definitely something that's kind of required watching for, for yes. horror fans. Yes, so. and, and I definitely think it's uh, if you're uh, – you're, you're, you know, it's obviously often thrown as a up there as a slasher film, and while yes, it meets the criteria by you know, it's it, it feels like more than that. I think to just say it's a, you know, it's not. Yeah, it's not really. Yeah, and it, I don't want to sound like I'm denigrating all slasher films. Like, oh, I'm not about no, slasher films. Not, I like certain not, movies. I just think that generally speaking, when you say slasher film, there is a level of baggage that goes along with that. Most right. people well, don't. There's there's a level of slashing. Yes, and there was some <laughs> slashing in this movie, but there's all sorts of creative yes. kills. You know, um, yes, he was a, he was an innovator, the crazy Billy character in this. So yes, <laughs> before we go uh, too much deeper into this movie, I'm going to say this at the outset because all our feedback, everything is at the end of the show now, by popular demand. However, Peter, and it wouldn't be a show without Peter freezing his you know his Peter off um, <laughs> in Sweden. But Peter, this is for you and anyone like you, Kevin yes. Spencer. Anyone, this everybody anyone who's never seen this. Yes, you've never seen it. If you aren't sure if you've ever seen it, but let's say hypothetically you were awaiting a copy of it via. Well, I guess Peter wouldn't be waiting from for the uh, United States Postal Service, in which case he'll be waiting a long <laughs> time. But everybody else, seriously, and Peter, you especially, because I know you said, "Oh, I'm going to listen to the show." Do not turn this off now. Yep. Watch the movie, then listen to the show, because we're going to spoil the crap out of it. And part of this movie is not knowing. So, yes, turn it off now. It's kind of now, like I'm not joking, now. Uh, now, now, do it now. Yeah. Turn it off now. OK, <laughs> OK. If off. you're still listening now, that means <laughs> if you're still. Yeah. If you're still listening, that means you've seen it. Yeah. You're like my kids. Uh, listen, for the love of God. Now. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Jason. Yes. Um, for Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it, it is um, available on uh, Netflix only as DVD. So if you are in an area that gets Netflix, um, you know, then then definitely check it out and get it on DVD. If you have not, then it's also available on Amazon. Um, it's in Blu-ray and uh, DVD. And I highly suggest getting the DVD um, just because well, I guess you can't get a play it now anywhere. But, you know, if there are other let's say not as legal means that you might go about trying to get movies. Um, I highly suggest getting the actual DVD or Blu-ray of this because we'll talk about it in a little bit. Some of the extras and interviews in this are worth the price Absolutely. of admission. I'll, Absolutely. And Jason, I'll just leave Jason, it at that for now. Jason, hold on. I got to sneeze. BitTorrent. BitTorrent. <laughs> 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 yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, but you don't get the extras, so oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, so yeah, get yeah, you the get DVD. the movie. Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, this one buy the DVD. Uh, definitely buy the DVD or Blu-ray if you if you can. Yes. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. So. Well, before we go any further, trailer or anything, we have a little word from. Well, he isn't really a sponsor, but if he wants to become one, <laughs> or anybody else out there wants to be a sponsor, you know, let us know. Here yeah, he please send your money to Forgotten Flicks. At... Yes. <laughs> and not to be outdone, he traps on a pair of water skis and jumps over a mother effing Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. <gasps> Thank you, JV, <laughs> with your Fonz jumping the shark. I, I, so is this the episode where we jump the shark? Maybe this is. This is we, no, that's next episode, our anniversary episode. We're, we're totally getting a, an aquarium. We're jumping... 
a shark. Yes, it'll be a little <laughs> wind-up hammerhead. <laughs> yes. So, Jason, yeah. would you like to hit him with just some brief uh, synopsis? We need a trailer. Oh, yeah. Whoops, my bad. <laughs> yeah, we need a trailer. Okay. The trailer's good. We need to listen to the trailer. Okay. Well, I will tell you now. I don't know if you listened to the same trailer. I had to cut this sucker down, dude. It was over. It was oh, over, it is long. It was yeah. like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I literally, it's just the end of it. So do not go, judge this movie by the trailer that you're going to hear on the show. This show, this trailer is only like 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Ready? Yep. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. And if that trailer <laughs> doesn't put you to sleep... <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, good times, good times. So, Jason, would you like to <laughs> now hit us with some knowledge if you can you know, wake yourself up? Yes, this is um, basically this is the story of a small sorority house um, that is shutting down kind of for the holiday season. It's Christmas time, and most of the, the girls in the sorority are going home for Christmas. There's the house mother um, who is kind of uh, uh, in charge of all of them, and she's staying. And then a couple of them decided, you know, they'd stay. Margot Kidder, uh, who plays Barb, um, her at the beginning, her mom calls and is going off on a vacation with her new boyfriend. So Margot Kidder has to stay there. And a couple of her friends decide that they're going to stay with her and kind of, you know, keep her company. But some of them are still leaving. So, um, and in between, kind of in the setup of the movie, as they're just getting ready for the holidays, these obscene phone calls are happening. And as you heard in the um, trailer, she says, the, you know, the guy's calling again. And so it's implied that he's been calling a lot yeah. or been calling in the past. And so um, they start getting these calls and then girls start disappearing. And in the meantime, we get this – and spoiler here, folks, but it, it, you start in the beginning – um, the killer, you, you get his point of view yeah, camera shot, yeah, subjective camera. Yep. Yes. And it, uh, and he kind of, you see him kind of climbing up a trellis on the side of the house up to the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, and at several points throughout as the movie's progressing, you see the, the trap door up to the attic, like slowly close. But one thing that's very important for this movie, you never actually see the killer ever full on. You get hand eyeball think but you never actually see the killer throughout and that's actually one of the creepiest freaking things about this entire movie but um i digress so basically this is a story of the the girls start disappearing but nobody knows why like no one knows where they've gone and uh they start looking for the girls and then other stuff starts happening and they start trying to figure out what's going on it's very low key as far as the people in the movie don't realize what's happening until much later in the movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I won't give away the ending because it is a phenomenal ending. 
Um, but well, I think we'll uh, we might because yeah, I, I, we have to get into yeah, it. Yeah, because we have to debate whether I won't give it away in the synopsis. No, 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 but, definitely not, definitely not. Yeah. Well, but, I, and um, I do want to make sure we we also point out that at the very beginning of the movie, uh, you have this moment where while these girls are kind of having their little going away party or whatever they're they're doing there, the phone rings and they answer it, and right. it is this, you know perverted obscene phone call or yeah billy you know making yeah. all these different voices and even one point yes. one of the character says can that be one person because it sounds like yeah because well, yeah john saxton's character um uh, lieutenant fuller says when he called before did he make all these different voices because it sounds like a woman it sounds yeah. like a baby it sounds like a yeah and sometimes guy. they always I mean, sound like they're talking on top of each other you know briefly yes you know but it makes but yet at the same time it doesn't sound but it doesn't sound forced. Like, it doesn't sound like you actually have two people talking on each other. It just sounds like one person doing these voices Making so yeah, voices. fast yeah. and shifting between them yeah. so quickly. And so that's the key is that they and apparently you get a hint of the backstory that they had been getting phone calls. That this has right. been going on for at least a little while. And they just chalked it up as oh, this guy's just a seen phone caller. Yep. But then at the very beginning, you know, when Barb, the Margot Kidder character, she's sort of the party girl of the group and real wild and crazy, which, you know, was really an acting stretch for Miss Kidder, <laughs> as we'll discuss later. And, you know, she she gets on there and she, you know, tells him, you know, why he's going to yeah, himself. Talks back to him yeah, basically too, gives him like, a lip. Yeah. And it's like he goes from that crazy, what you heard, to you just very calm and just moment of silence. And then, I'm going to kill you. And he hangs up. And yeah. it's like, and she even gets this look on her face like, and then he kind of blows it off. And, well... Little and then one know. of the girls says, "You shouldn't, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't provoke people like that." Yeah, and that was uh, that was Claire, and then she kind of yes. storms off upstairs and yes. Yes. becomes yeah. victim yeah. number one. Um, but, but I think what is key there, though, is what, and it was when you were you mentioned Barb uh, getting the phone call from her mom and yeah. talking to her mom about you know having her back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well. The they were cross cutting because at the I mean it really starts off with you're seeing you know the front of the house and the music's playing and even the freaking like just basic Christmas music you've heard a gajillion times oh God, is I creepy in this movie it's okay so, the the carolers is. are creepy everything is just creepy and it's all <laughs> a lot of it's audio based I mean it's just very creepy yep. in its suggestiveness and you get that subjective camera and you see his hands and considering this is again 1974 they uh, in the behind the scenes Jason I know you saw this as well that they talked about how they had to create a special camera rig yeah that the that the shoulder G- mounted camera yeah that, that the cameraman would carry so when you're seeing those hands crawl up the trellis it's actually yep. the cameraman but of course he's playing the role of the, of the killer and you can hear him breathing and and uh, did yep. you watch the part where they showed the original some of those original scenes and the, how the sound was different. There was a different sound yeah. mix. And, and that scene, originally, you could hear Margot Kidder and somebody else inside talking while you were kind of outside seeing things through the eyes of the killer as he's crawling up the trellis. I honestly think that didn't work at all, and I'm glad they didn't use it because there's something yeah. so isolated about when you're out there with him. By It's almost like you are being implicated with him, but at the same time... Well, to- it felt like to me like he was almost like... Well, first of all, if you're outside the house, you're going to hear less of what's going on. Yeah, so that's true, too. Yeah. There's a lot it's of movie cheats at times where they go beyond reality and you kind of hear things you really wouldn't normally hear because, you know, if you were actually standing in the place of wherever the character is or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of was a little forced. But not only that, it kind of felt like you were inside his head. Yeah. And almost like there was some kind of muffled, like you really couldn't, you know, hear everything that was going on. And um, as he's climbing up, you just kind of hear the background. and. Yep. Um, because they definitely play him up to be a 
an absolute like crazy crazy. Yeah, he's uh, he's lost control. Like that's the thing here. Yes. He's got just enough control to where he doesn't just like run in the house and mow everybody down. But right. but when he go, when he gets his bloodlust going, he loses oh, all control. And so that part where she's on the phone with her mom, he actually had been cross cutting between her on the phone and yeah. things, the party goers and some some humor back work because Andrea Martin of SCTV and my yep. big friend Greek Redding and a bunch of other movies is in this. And of course, they said Olivia Hussey and Kier uh, Doulet from 2001 yeah. A Space Odyssey played Dave Bowman. Um, yep. You know, so there's back and forth. He's not there at this point, but Almost no, back no. and forth, and you see the kill. You, you, the, the like you said, the attic door kind of comes open, and you, you know, he, you're seeing from his point of view as he steps down. I mean, talk about kind of it's so brazen too. I mean, for all he knows, somebody oh, can yeah. walk out, but it's like he just doesn't. He's taking that chance, and there's this moment where he's at the top of the steps, and you're seeing down. You see Barb, and the and the brilliance of the house that they just the location scouting. The house yeah. that they picked is so perfect that you were able to shoot interiors, exteriors in the same location. Yeah, and it. it they do such a great job. And what that whole opening was about was laying out the geography of the house. So yeah. by laying out the geography of the house, you don't then have to worry about later on people being confused. Okay. Even thinking about, well, where are they? Why is this happening? Where was he? Yeah. yeah and just, they, they, perfectly they track it. back and forth. They track back and forth through a lot of the same space. Yes. Like it's, it's literally the foyer, the stairs, the dining area, the dining area and the bedroom, like where the bedroom doors kind of yeah. come up and where the bedroom doors are is actually where the attic ladder goes up. So it's really like you you really live in that same space most of the movie. Now there yeah. are exterior stuff like, you know, they do go to the police station and there's some scenes there with uh the lieutenant and a few of the other police officers and then they do a um at one point uh no one knows anything is going on at this point. It's just and the, I think one of the most powerful parts of this movie and we've talked about this before is the ability for the director to and in the writer really um also to keep you in the dark yeah and figuratively you don't know what's going on and really you have no idea who this guy is you know there's no explanation they didn't go into some psycho has escaped from the mental institution beyond the alert nothing yep. it's literally like oh my god i have no idea what's going on this guy it's just yep. at first the camera is walking up to the door then the camera you know walks around climbs the trellis goes into the attic you have no idea, and the characters have no idea what's going on until someone shows up missing, and they still don't know. They're like, oh, maybe she ran away with her boyfriend or you know, something going on. And then at the same time, they do a very subtle play of, oh, there's also this 13-year-old girl that's gone missing in this little town. Yeah, a little subplot that kind of pops up at one point. Right. Yeah. And so then they find this little girl's body in the park, and that's kind of what sets everybody up like, ooh, maybe there's something going on or some bad guy's around. But they never connect it back to no. the – the sorority house, not to way well, and later. I think, and I think this is an important, we might as well just say this point now, because obviously one of the knocks on somebody who's seen a gajillion horror movies, especially somebody who I imagine who's grown up in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, or even, even in through the eighties, you know, would be like, Oh yeah, this is so cliche. And how many times, you know, keep in mind when this movie came out, it wasn't a cliche, the killer, no. the whole, you know, the idea of the you know, calls and the the idea of the killer being in the house. That, that none of this that, invented all that. Yeah, it really did. I mean, this, yeah. I think the subjective camera had been done a few times, but I don't know that it was ever really done in a horror film. Obviously, Halloween took a lot of the, the elements of this movie and made it its own. And I did like the fact that in one of the uh, behind the scenes pieces, they do a Q and A with Bob Clark, the guy who directed this. Also, did a Christmas Story. And he did Porky's. Yeah, he did some earlier horror films. He did Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, and yeah. I actually have a quick story about that. I'll go into it in a few minutes. And another mm -hmm. movie called Death Dream. It was kind of like a one of those like yeah, 
early 70s like social like kind of like what the way night of living dead was like had that social relevance yeah, to it yeah. it was about vietnam and things of that undercurrent nature. Yep. yeah so but this was really his last horror film because after this point is when he got into doing more comedies yeah and he does it so freaking well that he, but, but he talks about john carpenter that there was always this myth going around that john carpenter actually stole this idea that mm-hmm. he was if, if he was going to make a sequel to black christmas he was going to call it halloween and that apparently was true. And he and Carpenter worked together. And at that time, Carpenter had asked him, what would you do for a sequel to Black Christmas? Because he was a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob Clark said, I would call it Halloween. And, you know, he said, I would have the, you know, the killer, you know, return after being oh, yeah, he escaped. Said, well, from he said the killer would be caught. And, yeah, and then he would escape. escape yeah, and, and go home. Very similar. Come home. Yeah. So there were some yeah. But the key to remember, and he, Clark acknowledged this. Number one, you know, Mustafa Akkad, the guy who produced all the Halloween pictures, you know, came to Carpenter with this idea that he knew he wanted to use this title Halloween and he thought he, or he wanted to use the title of the babysitter murders. He didn't know, but he knew he wanted it to yeah. involve babysitter. So the idea that, Car- you know, Carpenter may have taken some ideas, but that he made him his own and Halloween is his own movie. And he took the, you know, it's like saying, well, he used the steady cam first. So if this guy uses the steady cam, he's yeah. ripping him on. No, he's not. He made it. If, if both if Bob Clark and John Carpenter made two movies called Halloween, they would have been different completely different yeah. and i i just it, it always kind of bugs me when people try to use that oh that well, behooves the carpenters are a hack no it doesn't really <laughs> no yeah and this actually this has got um there are a lot of reasons why Me- memoirs of invisible man actually might or ghosts of mars but not not that mm. that reason sorry good no no yeah don't say that that movie again okay please. sorry sorry <laughs> Um, no, this, it, there's a couple of reasons. This movie definitely flew under the radar, um, and it has for a long time. And it's, it is now sort of a cult flick. And especially people that are horror uh, enthusiasts know of it because it set the standard for a lot of the styles, uh, that he used in it and a lot of the ideas that he, he kind of pioneered with it. But there, there's some big differences. Number one, uh, you know, John Carpenter did Halloween or did, um, Right. Yeah. Joe Carpenter Halloween. Yeah. Right. So you've already got a big name uh, director, big name American director. Black Christmas was was filmed in Canada, released primarily or originally in Canada and primarily in Canada was a big hit in Canada, but wasn't really that big of a release in the U.S. And um, there were a couple other things going on at the same time. Didn't you say there was some. Uh, when this was released, like NBC or was was put on prime time. Yeah, according to uh, I've mentioned it before that book Shock Value by Jason Zinneman, he goes mm-hmm. into this a little bit. And and just a real quick story: this there was two movies growing up that my parents told me. Well, three if because John Carpenter's a thing was in there as well for my dad, but but two in particular: one was Alien and the other was Black Christmas that they said scared them so unbelievably bad. And I remember being fascinated by that idea. I was like, "Oh, yeah. I got to see this movie." <laughs> so, yes, yes. so, but then they also told me because I you know grew up in Florida and the whole thing with Ted Bundy, and in the you know in the seventies he yeah. killed uh, three I think two or three girls in um, Tallahassee at FSU, and which was there's a lot of similarities between these, you know, that story and yeah, sorority girls. Yeah, and it, it was, was a lot yeah. of similarities. And, <clears throat> um, and then actually when you really consider too, that the images you catch of the killer in this movie kind of actually looks like pictures I've seen of Ted Bundy from that time period. Well, especially since a lot of the pictures of him were like the turtleneck sweater. Yeah. When the hair, the, the hair was the very similar. Hair. I mean, there's a similar, yeah. it's creepy. Okay. Yeah. The similar similarities, but 
the the thing I had always heard growing up was that this movie was actually like banned from being shown <laughs> yeah. like in Florida, like one of those classic like you know somebody told somebody it's told against them, the law it's in against Florida to play the law, Black Christmas. The law. Well, <laughs> apparently it wasn't quite banned because of that whole whole connection, which this movie came out you know a few years before that occurred, which I think that was like in seventy seven seventy eight that yeah, Bundy so uh, did that horrible thing. Yeah. But uh, according to Zinnemann. He mentioned he's talking in his book about the fact that serial killers were being, you know, celebritized by the media yeah. and in that um, reports that Ted Bundy, uh, perhaps the most fair, I'm, I'm quoting here from the book, uh, perhaps the most famous uh, serial killer of the era next to Manson was inspired by Bob Clark's sorority house horror. Black Christmas led NBC to cancel the film from its schedule. Now, I didn't, you know, cross reference, you know, his sources. I'm sure he's accurate, uh, but. I think it's interesting to note that NBC decided at that time period because you know they were originally going to release it, which it, it all lines up that it would be about the time that it would have probably been released on TV, and right. they went ahead and put the kibosh on it being shown during that time period because of what he had done. Yeah. Um. But uh. But but where was I originally going with this? Because I know you brought up that. Well, I'm just saying that there was there's reason why this kind of flew under the radar. So yes. yeah, I um, definitely think that, and, and and I don't I don't know that that necessarily would have affected it as much. And and honestly, and I you know not to be like a, I'm going to have to um, correct you, Mister um, Grooms. Uh, but if I if I don't, <laughs> God knows we'll get an email about this. I would have to I would have to uh, depart with you on the idea that John Carpenter was a big director when he made Halloween. Because he wasn't. Because assault. Uh, aside from your favorite, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I mean, that wasn't like a blockbuster. No, it's hard to believe. According to you, it, I never said fantastic no, movie. Wait, 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 Shouldn't that, it have made okay, like well, millions? Oh, so wait, oh, oh, wait. So fantastic movie equals millions. So every movie that makes millions is a fantastic movie. Really? Is that the logic? <laughs> no, the the, God, the, the no. logical fallacy no, you want to start no, going down? Because no, no, you know what? Up, Attack of the it. Clones made a crap ton of money. So did uh, Pocahontas in space. I mean Avatar. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Billions. Yeah. Need you um, say more? Yeah. So yeah, the point sure. is, and, um, and prior to that, he had done Dark Star with uh, Dan O'Bannon, yeah, which was okay, a USC so film. Was, yeah. But he was at least. It was at least. Well, that was so the movie was, that kind of put him on the map for sure. Um, yeah. But I think the key, and the other thing to understand about Halloween is when it was originally released, it really did. I think they actually ended up doing a re-release of it. Because when it was it was released, it was in the same year. But when it, it first went out, it like tanked. It like didn't do well at all. And then mm -hmm. they re-released. I think uh, here's a thought closer to Halloween, <laughs> and it it blew it blew up. You know, and word of mouth. And he, what, I think also because at the time Roger Ebert, who's notorious for being kind of all over the map on his feelings of horror movies, like with the original Night of the Living Dead, he was very disparaging of it. Uh, yeah. but Halloween, he saw the the brilliance and the the obviously the homage to Hitchcock and all yeah, that kind of stuff yeah. and really latched onto it and promoted the crap out of it. And that helped as well. This movie didn't get that kind of critical push. In fact, and I just wanted to mention this briefly, I was looking up on that always reliable resource, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> they had just a few clear, uh, critical blurbs. And I'm now going to call this segment that will only last probably this episode and random episodes when we decide to <laughs> redo it. The what the hell were they thinking? Critic bash. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it, re it, it, it received generally positive reviews from contemporary critics. Um, however, according to, let's see here. Oh, the New York Times, which is never, ever wrong. They highly criticized the film and awarded a one out of five. Calling, wow. Calling it a whodunit that begs the question of why it was made. 
Vari- what? Variety also gave the film a negative review, stating that the film was... Now, wait, get, wait for this. In 1974, they stated it was heavily cliched and that Black Christmas, a bloody, senseless, kill-for-kicks feature, exploits unnecessary violence in a university sorority house operated by an implausibly alcoholic ex... I think it says Hoofer, but it could yeah, be... Yeah, dancer. Hook- that's it. Yeah, Hoofer's uh, a dancer. Oh, I, yeah. I, I actually thought it said ex-hooker. <laughs> I was like, if if Ma, if Mama Mac was a hooker, um, please pass the salt, Peter. Then there's, and then there's there's a reason why she drinks sherry everywhere. That's a reason why her Johns would need to drink sherry. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I have to continue. It's and I'm quoting here. It's slow paced, murky tale involves an obscene telephone caller who apparently delights in killing the girls off one by one. Even the hapless house mother, which apparently they were hung up on in this particular review. However, Variety's only praise of the film was Maureen Waldman's role as the secretly alcoholic sorority house mother. Saying, okay, but yet they were criticizing the character. Saying that only Marion Waldman as the house mother comes across with any life. By the way, that's the exact one that they said was implausible. <laughs> so, yes, mainstream criticism strikes uh, again. Not so much. What a bunch um, of abuse. Yeah, it's fascinating the the kind of mixed bag that this comes with. And, you know, um, one of the other things about this that I thought was kind of interesting is I think the American audiences didn't quite know what to make of it when it came out. Yeah. And I don't think the studios knew quite what to do with it because yeah. if you know anything about this movie – you know that it's been released under several different names yeah. in the U.S. Now, its original name was going to be – oh, God. Bob Clark talked about it in there. So oh, Stop was, Me. And actually, I was going to say that. Oh, it was that, called – yeah, the script was called yeah, Stop Me. Yeah, but did you catch me. that in the opening clip? If you listen very closely, at one point he goes, Stop Me. Oh, yeah. He says oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the original script apparently was even more graphic and yeah, yeah. horrific, and they toned it down. But the original name was Stop Me. But they, they went with Black Christmas because they liked the juxtaposition of, you know, Joyous Holiday with the horror, you know, aspect of it. But when it was released in the U.S., they didn't want to call it Black Christmas mm-hmm. because they were afraid it would be mistaken for a black exploitation film of the 70s. Starring Pam Greer. And J- black Dynamite. Yes. Um, Obviously, I am a yeah, connoisseur so, of black exploitation because Pam Grier is the only one I know. Well, um, so it was released under Silent yes. Night, Evil Night. Yes, and it was also released under Stranger in the House, which, which is which is interesting because I think uh, the Ann Rule, the true crime writer, wrote a book about Bundy called Stranger Beside Me. Yes, and so the the Stranger in the House, and I think that's what NBC was going to show it on. Uh, yeah, I think there's a name they yeah, were doing. Yeah, it. which then didn't that didn't help. I mean, Anne Rule hadn't written the book at that point, but that yeah. just kind of reinforced the connection potentially to the whole Bundy thing. So yeah, so so it kind of got this mixed um, mixed bag and you know in reviews. But there's a couple of things I want to point out about the about the flick itself. Yes, um, one of them that we haven't touched on yet is they have this and this parallel storyline kind of going on because um, with the disappearance of the girls, you also get some of these secondary characters coming in. You get the boyfriends uh-huh. and there are two of them in this, three of them in this film technically, um, which I want to talk about for a second, but uh, the third one, cause I think that's a interesting interplay here. But the two main ones you see are the supporting boyfriend um, who wears the coolest, I would say bearskin coat. I think it's just a fur, uh, I, fur jacket. Yeah. Back yeah. when hippies were hunter, hunters, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it looked like a bearskin coat. Uh, Art Hindle plays Chris, who's kind of the supporting good boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, who is is helping 
um, oh God, who was his girlfriend? Was it Claire? Claire, Claire the Claire one that was at the beginning. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. because you know, then he's got a spat with the police. So he's kind of a small character, but um, they interview him on the DVD. And then there is Peter. Um, and he is this concert pianist, (laughs) pianist, (laughs) who, sorry. (laughs) Would you like a 10 inch pianist? (laughs) So basically he's the boyfriend of, um, Jess, who's the main character of this entire film. She's, uh, uh, played by Olivia Hussey. Um, she's kind of the girl that answers the phone most of the time. And so he is this high strung, like a hole. Well, who, I did say ten inch pianist. Oh, you said high yes. strung. I thought you said well. Well, no, not well. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, I totally it's wasn't really listening. Uh, it is. It is Peter. Oh, oh. <laughs> and speaking of, <laughs> yes, you better so not be listening, Peter. If you haven't watched the movie, go ahead, Jason. Sorry, yeah, turn it off, Peter. Um. So yeah, he's this crazy guy who's apparently trying to get in. You know, I don't know. He's trying to play in front of these three. Uh, piano masters or whatever, and he screws it up because Jess wants to... um, She is pregnant. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yes, spoiler alert. We've already said that. Yeah, She's pregnant, and she doesn't want to keep the baby. She wants to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes crazy on her in the house over that whole thing and doesn't want... You know, you can't do this. It's my baby. So what they do in the movie is they kind of play between uh, the killer on the phone says... Things about the baby, and well, he actually... specifically when uh, well, I think that the, the setup was she was on the phone with the obscene caller. Now, keeping in mind, none of the girls, no one who lives in the house, knows the killer's in the house and making the calls from an upstairs phone, which is the house mother's phone. It's a separate line. Nobody right. knows this, and she's on the phone with the killer by herself in the house, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, footsteps start coming down the stairs. She doesn't know it, and she turns a startled. It's Peter. It's Peter. But right. she's you know she's already hung up with the killer, so she's not on the. So we're supposed to, of course, draw this connection that it's that it's potentially Peter course. that's the killer yes. because several other parts later, he goes crazy like he bashes in his piano with oh, yeah. a mm-hmm. mic stand. Yep. Um, he's outside. I mean, they, he's yeah, outside he's hanging around yet. outside. Yeah. And then actually, at the climax of the movie, can we go into the climax now? Um, not yet, because I don't want to. Okay. I, I want to make so, sure we do a couple things so they, here they play him back and forth like he could be the killer yeah. and that there's, um, but he's definitely crazy. And you know, they, the, the storyline kind of plays back and forth. I would say he's crazy. I think he's just a very, like, like you said, high, strong, sort of the cliche, passionate artist, artiste, you know, he's very, yeah, but he kind of goes very like emotional. He, yes. But they play him definitely like, especially when he calls her on the phone and he's all upset. Cause at one point he calls her and says, it's Peter, you can't do this, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, they definitely play him like he is a half step from being over the edge and jumping off a cliff. Like yeah. he actually, when he stands outside of her, well, he, I, but see, I can, I can, house, I can get it from the standpoint of she's all he has left. He's lost. I mean, at this point, he's lost his. He's worked for eight years living in a little tiny one room, living in a conservatory for eight years, he's sharing a bathroom with like eighteen other people for yeah. eight years, almost a decade, and it, he flushed it all down the toilet when he screwed up his little recital thing. So he's got nothing left, only her and this unborn baby, and he just loses it. I mean, and and so I think, yeah, but then he's all like. I'm quitting the conservatory, and we're well. I guess this is time period, yeah, relevant to, and we we will be married. And she's like, uh, yeah, I really don't want to marry you. Yeah. So, well, that's a, and I think that's why he lost it. He was losing everything all at once, yeah. and he just couldn't handle it. But, but I think that the, the part you were talking about that the killer acknowledges is is she. Um, 
he makes a comment about it being like, you know, she's acting like she's just like having a wart removed while they're yeah. arguing. And then later on, while she's on the phone with the killer, you know, he in one of his creepy ass voices, he says, you know, like having a wart removed or whatever. Right. And he right. turned into but the it keeps you in the dark the because it could be it could be Peter. Yep. Or would be having seen the movie. You think, well, or it might just be somebody else who's in the house who could have overheard that conversation, yep. but you never know. Yep. yep. You know, they definitely play that really well. And it's the subtlety of playing between the two is really um, a great one. But yep. I wanted to, okay, before we get to the ending and stuff. Yeah, especially because there's one other thing I wanted to say, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, what do you want to say? No, you go ahead. Okay. I want to talk about Margot Kidder in this movie. Okay, well, hold on. <laughs> That's, that might be a rabbit trail. So let me just real quick. This actually has to do with the movie proper which by the way my well, wife I'm going to lo- talk about the movie proper too but this is definitely an elitist down rabbit okay, trail let so me, you get yours yeah, in first okay. two things yeah. one the sh- some of the shots in this movie are so awesome do you remember yes. the moment when, when the father of Claire who is there's also the subplot of he's there because she was supposed to you know meet him on yeah, campus and now they're looking camp. for her they don't of course know she's up in the attic with a bag over her face and like creepy in a rocking chair holding a cre- creepy old antique baby doll as yeah. the killer's like you see his hand right the baby pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, by the way, the picture on the cover of Black that's Christmas, her. see, with the girl with like plastic on yep. her face, that's Claire, who they show throughout the movie, and, and she's for, on the And for our wonderful listeners, I think I still have my VHS copy of this movie. When Specs wow. was going out of business, they sold it, and I bought it for like a buck ninety-nine. So we'll uh-huh. I'll take a picture of it and we can get it uploaded to the Facebook page. Oh, definitely. And but there's a moment where the her father is in the foreground on the phone. And Margot yeah. Kidder's in the background with this little kid. He's like eight years old, and she's giving him alcohol. And, yes, and yes. Getting, uh, she goes, I like the little sucker schnockered. Uh, but that shot, the way they use the shallow depth of field, and just, and actually, I guess it would yes. be, uh, actually, I, wouldn't, I guess it wouldn't really be shallow depth of field because you can no. see everything well, all the can, way from front to, like, he's perfectly clear. He's not out of focus. See, you can actually see a line. Yeah. Like, one of the things you notice is she is perfectly in focus. He is perfectly in focus, but there is a, a little line in between that's fuzzy. Yeah. But it messes with your eyes because it feels like they're both. So my guess is they shot those as two separate shots and put them together. That would yeah, be my, if probably. I was, I wish we, I wish Bob Clark was still with us. He passed away. Um, I wish he was still with us because I would love to know if he had done some commentary or something. Cause I would love to know how they created that because that would be my guess. Or they use some kind of special filter, but I would think the way right, it like looks, it looks like a shallow depth of field shot where, you know, the background yeah. would be out of focus and, yep. the, and somebody really close to the camera would be in focus or vice versa. But no, they're both perfectly in yep. focus, but it's the way that the depth of the shot really messes with your eyes. But there's several things like that are just very creative in the film. And I think the key is with this whole movie, hold on, I have to cough, <coughs> is the fact that this movie epitomizes suspense because we know information that characters do not know. That's why it works. Yeah. Most, yeah. most t- quote-unquote typical slasher films, we're as in the dark as the victims. In this one, you're really not. You know when the killer is in the room. You, you, know, you know, but that heightens the tension to such oh, a degree. Yeah. When Claire is approaching that closet... And you just see. Oh my God! You, that's the, one of those ones you're climbing on the edge of the couch. Oh my God! Because like the lights are on. I mean, the lights are on her closet, and this cat <laughs> is. Go, and, and that's the other thing. Another trope this movie established that then subsequently Alien and other movies uh, took on as their own, which is the cat that keeps showing up up at inopportune times that people go searching for in order to justify them to get killed. Well, yeah. it, they do that a lot in Alien to kind of like, yeah. oh, is it the cat or is it the alien? Well, in this movie, Jonesy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it what was his name, Mister. Eaglesworth or something. I don't know. No, no, it was Jonesy. In this? 
What was it? No, not in this. I was in, in Alien. Alien. Yeah, Alien. It was Jonesy. Jonesy. Yeah, what, yeah. What was in it? Oh, in this? this one, I don't remember. Yeah, it was something. Mr. You know. Tibbles or yes, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bigglesworth yeah. was. Uh, it, oh, uh, oh, it was. Um, it was. Uh, 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 tickle me, pussy, <laughs> cat, pussy cat. Yeah, tickle me, pussy cat. No, no, pussy galore. Yeah, no, that, no, that was no. Austin Powers too. Octopussy. What? No. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the cat yeah, is, yeah. is a symbol in so, there. So, yeah. so she's approaching the closet. We've seen like you, there's a you know plastic dry cleaning bag or whatever blocking yep. him, but you could just catch out. You look really closely. You can see like the edges of his fingers up in position to choke her ass, and it's well. And they zoom in kind of so you kind of see that his face is there a little, but yeah, you don't just, see his face. So like you see yeah, his head exactly. So there's moments like that throughout this whole freaking movie that just mess with you. Yeah. Like this, when she yeah, goes, the, oh, dude, when the house mother goes in, let's not give it away, but when she goes in the attic. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I want to talk about my favorite scene in this entire movie. Go for it. One of the most effed up scenes in any movie. And I'm talking like it's not a boo moment. You know the mo- the, the moments where you're watching a movie and something jumps out at yes. you? We've talked about this a lot because yes. a lot of the time they just do the camera trick where yep. you can't – the camera pans a little bit far to the right and something comes out of camera left. And if yep. you're – you know, in, in the movies or anything, you're like, yeah, okay, there was a guy standing off camera. But and this is one of those that you could actually feel like you were in that moment, and it scares the crap out of you yep. because it's so in quiet. In all seriousness, this is the moment where if you have not seen this effing movie, turn this damn thing off. Yeah, really, this effing, is beyond yeah, for another spoiler. couple minutes because seriously, this is like yeah. a cool moment. It's better to be surprised by it. So the whole thing is it's building up to Jess as the main character is getting these phone calls, but she's not – approached or hurt or anything thus far this the killer's picking off sorority girls one at a time including uh the lush of the group margot kidder who i swear to god was drunk this entire movie her character was drunk this entire movie drinking everywhere everything totally hammered and the wreath on the door of her sorority room had little bottles those those like um airliner bottles of alcohol on the wreath yeah. right <laughs> so she passes out at one point drunk in her and in her bedroom. Uh, actually, she comes downstairs. She gets all wild, and, and then they, they tell her, her to go to bed. Yeah. So, yeah. So she goes to sleep. Well, at one point, the killer sneaks in her room, and she's half awake. He grabs a crystal unicorn head. Yeah. And it's this glass, blown glass unicorn head with a big glass unicorn spike and proceeds to stab her to death with this yeah. unicorn. And that's actually really like the, one of the only blood scenes. But, but the, even then you don't see, it's not like you're seeing penetration or anything. No, that, not at all. You, you know, just it, see like him coming up with it and, and going and, down. And, and, and that's it's it. going to sound really messed up when I say what I'm about to say. It was actually beautifully shot. Like the, the, there's something about the crystal and the blood and the lighting and the way well, and it was like behind artistic. her headboard. Yeah, and you could really see killer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it was really kind of odd angle. And it's so anyway, cut. So yes, yes, and she gets killed, and she, and so, but nobody knows it because it's quiet. And then, um, uh, what was the the girl's name that Olivia played? Hussey, Jess? No, no, not Jess. No, no, the um, Andrea Martin's the other friend. Character? Yes, yeah, uh, Andrea Martin. I have a lump on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, she ends up okay. She's like the last one that we see with Jess. Uh-huh. She goes upstairs, and then she goes in to see to check on Margot uh, Kidder's character, Barb, Barb and yeah. she all of a sudden. <gasps> And 
we don't see what happens yeah, to Yeah, but her. The, the best part is because when she op- pushes open the door, you have to build that up. So she goes in, she pushes open the door, and she's like, Barb? Barb kind of like peering and trying to see. And of course, you know, the second the light hits that bed, she's going to see everything. She's like, Barb? Right. And then all of a sudden, you can all see, you she, see. You know, you hear, but from she, she's, you're all behind her, like on the other side of the door, and you see her head kind of jerk to the left of what would be behind the door, and you hear some voice say, Agnes. And the but door just closes. The door just closes. Yeah. Oh. All you, yeah. She just kind of looks to the left, not screaming. Looks to the left, you hear that voice, and the door just click, and that's it. That's and it. then you're like, you know. So the buildup to that is, uh, at this point, the police realize the killer is in the house. No, well, they do. Yeah, well, I, I hate to do this to you, dude, but you got to build it up. You got. You, <laughs> I'm sorry. You just got to build it up. You got to. You got to. The the they've put they've tapped the line. They didn't bother tapping the house mother's line because no, the killer is or the obscene phone caller at this point. They don't even know he's a killer. Never calls so, there. He never, said never, no, no, it's a separate line. Ignore yeah. that one. And, John, and the other thing is we have a, We would be remiss to not mention that John Saxon, the dad who's uh, Nancy's father from Nightmare on Elm Street, has been in a yep. crap ton of movies. Fantastic actor plays like the, the lieutenant, the head cop, and yep. he's listening on the other line. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, he and another cop. Um, and I really wish we could get into the whole fellatio thing, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, I think I'm gonna leave it at that. So we can be like, what? what, what the hell kind of movie? Watch Keep the movie. Mind, this is the guy who made Porky. So there are some pretty <laughs> raunchy jokes in it. Um, yeah, there are a few. but, but, uh, but anyway, he and another copper out dealing with something related to all this. Um, they think yeah. they're on basically Peter's trail and there's another cop who's just complete. <laughs> I really would call him a bozo, but he's just kind of a dumbass. And yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, and yeah. He's, he's, he's told by, they get, basically, they tap the line, they get enough information of where the killer is to know that he's calling from in the house. John Saxon character and the buildup of this is just so intense. And, the, you know, he calls. Well, yeah, because John Saxon's in the, he's in the patrol car yes. when he hears that yes. the call, the killer's in the house. So he has to CB radio Nash, back to the yeah. station to talk to uh, Nash yeah. and says, Call the girls, tell them just to or tell Jess just to walk straight yeah, out the door. The phone down, walk. Yeah. Yes, and t- he says, "Don't tell them. Don't tell her that the killer's in the house. Just get her to go outside." So Nash, being the bonehead, he calls her and he's like, "Jess, I need you to listen to me and do what I yeah, tell he tries you." Just to be calm at first. Her. Yes, and she's like, well, "What's going on?" No, I can. And and she then calls for like, uh, uh, "Phil, Phil, Barb," and he's like, "No, just get out." And she won't go. So he says, he "Damn lied. it, the killer's in the house. Just go out the front door." And then of course, she does what every woman would do: walk towards wherever the but, killer well, is. No, no, no. Here's the thing: she does go to the door and she's yelling for her friends now. Two points. I agree with Olivia Hussey. For love of God, the argument of why would you do that? Well, you wouldn't have a friggin' movie if she didn't do that. So, <laughs> well, exactly. That, that complaint. But... Then don't watch these movies. I, I always say that. Well, why would she? Be, <laughs> she's not first. She's not being stupid. Okay. I think no. at that point, her character is pretty much in denial that her friends would well, be dead. They, you know. Okay. So they. No. Think... Not only that. Not only that. Uh, this one I at least can give you. We talked about this in in Nightmare because. The voice is calling to her out in a dark yard, and she walks out yes. in her underwear. Yes. Yeah, I don't believe that one. At least with this one, you can believe that Jess genuinely loves her friends. Yes. And she doesn't want to leave them. And knowing that the killer's in the house, she's not going to leave them. Yeah. So she, I so think you can argue it's the, courageous. Yeah. I mean, I think no, no, it's, it's not a bad move. thing. I'm yeah. just saying, she, then she turns around. And she starts to go uh, back up the stairs. She's yeah. calling for Phil and Barb. She goes to Barb's door, and she opens the door. Oh, yeah, oh God. And she did this, telling you, prepare. She opens the door, and as she opens the door, the light from behind her 
goes into the room, dark room, and there is both Phil and Barb dead and bloody. And she stumbles okay. back, right? Does she fall back or does he? Well, put- she it's they're dead and bloody, and she kind of, oh my, and she falls down, like falls down on her butt in the hallway. Yeah. And the door creaks open into the room. In the crack of the door behind the door. Yep. You hear that it, voice. Yeah, that camera just slowly just pushes it, up. Dude, it just pans to that crack, and you don't see anything at first. It's like, what is it doing? And you hear, Agnes, it's me, Billy. And all of a sudden, it, it kind of slowly b- zooms in, and there's just an eyeball. Yeah, and it's like wide. It's, cra- it's crazy <laughs> wide. It just, like, you just, it's steadily moving, just. Oh, rotating, just like looking and studying her. Oh, dude, that is more freaky than that that little clip that you show me from the movie in the hospital. That is that I was gonna say that is comparable. The scene that we have yeah. we have that posted, I think, still on the uh, on the web or the Facebook page. The it's still on, yeah, it's still three, on Facebook. The, the the scene with the hospital. We won't go into all that. Go watch it on the on the Facebook page. But I would say it's in that league. Of oh, like, dude, yeah. oh, quiet. It's subtle. Yeah, uh, it scares the crap out well, of you. That, so. You know what it is? You so connect. I think with Olivia Hussey was a, is a fantastic actress. Yeah, and I think you so connect with her character. And, uh, and none of these characters are idiots. I mean, she, when she goes upstairs, she does have a fire poker. It's not like she's and she's terrified. It's not like she's oh, let me just go check them and see where they're at. I mean, right. And at this point, she hasn't seen any no any dead. evidence. It's just she was told this thing. So right. you could say she's in denial. She's got to make sure her friends are okay. And I could see. I think it's dopey in hindsight from yeah. our position of like, don't do it, you idiot. But yeah. I could see a character in that moment justifiably being motivated to do that. Now, yeah, in a lot of other horror movies, it is far worse. Oh, it's always it's, it's, it's like always they, forced. It's always co- contrived. Yeah, like this, no, this definitely works, but it's scary as crap. Yeah. Um. And so, basically, you know, can we get, can we talk about the ending now? Yes, let's go ahead and talk about the ending. Okay. Um, so basically the ending is uh, she runs away from him, goes down to the basement, and she's kind of high. She locks the door. And I love the the balance. Uh, and I Bob Clark did this movie just brilliantly shot um, and, and acted out. But when she closes the basement door, he is with all fury of hell ba- banging on that door and screaming in that yeah. crazy voice. And then all of a sudden just dead stop. Yeah, and all you hear is quiet, and all you hear is him walking away. Just real, real simple. He's just walking, slowly walking away, just like he's got this snap that he flips to crazy. So he walks away, and she goes down in the basement. She's just kind of standing there, shaking. She's got the fire poker. Then all of a sudden, on the basement windows, she sees a shadow of someone outside trying to look in. And right, trying to look in, and then it's Peter, and he's, you know, Jess, are you down there? Jess, are you okay? And he's calling. And finally, he breaks the the glass at the basement door, <clears throat> and she, you know, he comes down into the basement, and then he sees her. And at this point, she had like something had happened that she was convinced, oh, it can't be Peter. But now, yeah, she's not sure of anything. So <laughs> as he's coming in the basement, he sees her. And he's like, Jess, are you okay? I was looking for you. What's going on? And she just kind of backs away from him into the dark with that poker, and then scene ends. Uh huh. And they go to Saxon and the police. They're all coming, uh, pulling up in front of the house. You know, they know the killer's there. It's a big climax. They bust down into the basement, and there's Jess, dead Peter. (laughs) She's got got a really limp, bloody Peter in her lap. (laughs) This basically could have been the Lorena Bobbitt story. She has a dead Peter in her lap. Yeah, And she's kind of passed out, and they call to her. She kind of wakes up. They bring her upstairs and sedate her. 
And uh, so now everything's fine. And they they, they know it's police Peter. are all they like convinced it's Peter. He was. The yeah, killer. everybody. Cops all knew it was Peter the whole time. They thought it was him. And they're yep. like, all right, well, you can't talk to her till tomorrow. She's sedated. OK, well, don't touch anything until lab guys get here. You know, we'll put a, a car outside. So they all just slowly. And it's almost like you're not it doesn't matter what's going on in the house. It's almost like you're just a bystander watching yes. this action. Yeah, like you're a ghost just watching, yes. observing. And then everybody just slowly clears out of the house. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and everybody just kind of starts clearing out. And then the, camera, the last the officer pull, flicks the light out. Yeah, and the camera starts pulling back. And it just slowly pulls away from her room, slowly pulls into the hallway. And you, and, and you know, when it, it holds on the room next to hers, which was uh, Margot Kidder, Barb's room, and you just see the mattress. And the second... Uh, it sees the bloody mattress. You hear that, that that piano keys all being clanged at once. Well, it's I think that was one of the parts where the sound guy that they talk about in the uh, uh-huh. the that did the sound for this talked about he would like rake forks across the wires inside uh-huh. the piano, and that's the sound. And so yeah. at that second, it's that creepy horror sound. Yeah. And then they pan over. And then they pan to back up to. But it's also the attic. other than that moment, it's so quiet, and you can see the reflection of Christmas Nothing lights. Nothing going on. Yeah, it's the Christmas so, lights. It's very just peaceful. And then they pan up to that door, and you hear that voice again. And the, and the, and the yeah, and then they you see the attic door kind of. Does you see? Do you see a creak open a little bit? No, don't you see just start to? It's he's like Agnes, it's me, Billy. Yeah, and he does it again, and then and then they pan up into the attic. Yes. And, and you, you see the corpses, the, yeah, because you do, because you see corpses. him, you see him lowering himself down real quickly. Yep. You do see him go starting to go down, and then the camera pulls out and pulls back, and that is such a creepy ass shot when it's pulling. And away. then it pulls away from her with the with the plastic over her face, still up in the, the window. attic. Yeah, it goes out that window. Yep. And you just see her in that in that kind of semi frosted little, you know, it's such a cold window, yep. and you, you can just you just make out just a hint of her <laughs> dead visage. And that cop, and there's, there's a cop at the front you, door yes. outside. Now it's important to note that John Saxon had made a throwaway comment about we figured they must have been he must have called the girls after each murder. Well, after maybe I, the camera's still moving back, moving back, all of a sudden. Ring. Oh, you start getting the phone ring inside, yeah. And you see the cop if you watch him, he turns around and kind of looks. Like he's starting and to go the, yep. in, and he's like kind of shrugs, and he turns back around and just stands there. Yeah, it just keeps ringing as the credits roll, dude. I gotta be honest, with you, it freaks me out so bad it makes my nipples hard. <laughs> that it because it, it, it's one of those like you just if you put yourself in the role of the character, dude. I don't know what kind of movie you were watching. But... Well, I did say uh, she had a a bloody limp, Peter. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Dude, um, but, this but, movie freaked me out. Yes. Oh my god, it was just, dude. It was. I love this movie. I don't care. This is awesome. Hey, look, if you're was, a gore, if you're a, if you're a gore hound for gore hound's sake, like if you, there are, obviously there are folks that just that's all they want. They don't care sure. about story or care, f that. They just want gore. This is not your movie. You're not gonna like it. It is slow, methodical. It builds its suspense. It takes its time, but it works. If but yes. if you you know if you are cool with a movie being not just gore, and there is some gore. I mean, some blood in it. I mean, it's not like it's completely blood yeah, but free. not a lot. I mean, yeah, it's not the point of the movie, but it's. No. Just to appreciate it from a historical perspective of what it means to the genre, the fact that yeah. we've—I here's what kills me about this movie: even though there are all these tropes in it, it still works. Yes, that's what's there amazing. are a lot. You know, we've talked about a lot of movies here in the past year where rewatching them now, yeah, feels cliche because uh, it, it, even though that was the originator of some of these things, yeah. or you know, it, they still kind of feel like eh, they're still kind of awkward because it wasn't as this well executed, one, right? This one was so well done. Well, this one in Garbage Pail Kids. 
I was going to say Masters of the Universe. Well, that's, well, that went to these three are probably the top tier as far as having not <laughs> felt so dated. But 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 and the other key point is to understand this movie itself is a trope. It's based on an urban legend. It's the classic babysitter, yeah. the killers alone in the house that's been around. Yeah, a long babysitters. time. So, well, and Bob Clark even com- commented that this he didn't originate this, but that it hadn't been done in a long time. Yeah. like he talked about it was really old movies that had done this, uh, you know, in the past, but. Um, and it's very Hitchcockian, you know, for those of you who are kind of a Hitchcock fan, this, oh, yeah. this film, that vibe. like I could see him making this in the later part of his career. I mean, he did frenzy, yeah. which was a lot more graphic as a, as a, as a, yeah. you know, thriller so, picture. I'll, I'll leave it with this. Yeah. Okay, here's my last comment okay. and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Okay. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that you got to buy this DVD because it is worth the price of admission for the interviews. Yeah. It is really worth the price of admission only for the interview with Margot Ketter. <laughs> Because, um, swear to God, she cannot remember anything from filming this movie. Well, well, is... well, as we were discussing, Jason and I did discuss this a little bit before that we recorded, <laughs> and we determined we found it sort of ironic that at one point she's kind of not, and we don't ever see the guys filming this. I guess they're they have some kind of fan site called It's Me dot com, and they were doing these like behind the scenes pieces, and she. She goes, well, you guy, you young kids today, you're just so conservative. Back then, <laughs> yes, we were yes. like just crazy. We're doing everything. And, it was, and, it was and then they would ask her. As wild as you can. Yeah, yeah. Then they would ask her like just kind of simple questions. Honestly, it's all just a blur. I don't remember yeah, she, nothing. Well, she kept saying there was a couple things she kept repeating. One, she kept repeating uh, I just know we had a really good time with it. And I just know it was Bob was saying, you know, just be as wild as you can be. And it was we just had a really good time with it. That's all I remember. And they kept trying to get her to talk about um, what did she drink during the movie? Because I remember like three different times they asked her and she was and she would get real serious. Like, well, no, even then we knew you don't drink on set. Yeah. But afterwards, you know, Woo-hoo. and then she would talk about she would talk about. And then the next morning when they pick us up to go to the to I'm the shoot, over. you know, I'd be hung over. And yeah. Well, and, and did you get a vibe because you have Olivia Hussey, uh, her interview, which, by the way, she's held up quite nicely. Margot Kidder, not so much. Uh, yeah, yeah yes. but, but there was there's there, definitely something between them. Yeah, there was some tension there because yes. like, you could tell they both were trying to be polite. I would say Olivia Hussey a little more so, uh, but yeah, she pulled it off better. <laughs> yeah, she talked about you know she basically the only thing she commented about Margaret Kidder was well you know Margaret Kidder was quiet she was off doing her own thing. Yeah. So I didn't know her well. That's all she said. But she seemed excited about everybody else. That was the thing. Yes. Oh, it's such a so she was so nice and Andrea Martin was so, so funny. So funny and, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Margot Kidder then talked about Liz, uh, Olivia Hussey like, uh, oh, she was the main star and she was beautiful and she. But then when Olivia Hussey so talked serious. about her, it's like, yeah, I didn't know her. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it was literally like, yeah, I didn't know her. Yeah, yeah, no, Margot Kidder. No, I, I didn't, I didn't meet her. I saw her on set. You know, that was my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. But even hers was weird. Like even Olivia Hussey's interviews were, interviews weird. I mean, she kept just calling this a. Uh, uh, a classic and is as good as uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet, and you know, it just what well, yo she was doing. She was saying Romeo and Juliet, and uh, what's the other one? Um, Jesus of Nazareth. So, so she yes. basically she her can... her other two really See? big movies. Which I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised she also didn't say as big as Ice Cream Man, starring Clint Howard, <laughs> which, where she played the nurse showing her bosom, and he played a serial killer Ice Cream Man, Clint Howard, Ron Howard's creepy little brother, that looks like uh, Chaka from. Land of the Lost. Chaka, yeah, you know, Chaka Lost. should be our mascot. Chaka, Chaka, Chaka. 
<laughs> yeah, so um, the interviews are fascinating, and they, they interview a lot of, and all of them, without fail, really are just shocked that people like this movie. I mean, yeah, they all really talk were, about, yeah. we thought it would be a throwaway. We had no idea we'd be big, and Your now that's the only reason they get, that's the only reason they get invited to, like, these conventions now, is this one movie, you know? More than <laughs> so, likely. Well, yeah, except for Margot so. Kidder. Yes. They just don't invite was, her. No. <laughs> No, right, um, so, uh, but I mean, Andrea Martin, definitely. I mean, she did, you know, comedy and she's been in a lot more, but, um, you know, it just, it's funny to see those interviews. So anyway, that's my last bit. Awesome. Watch Marco Kidder. Yes. So I would say we both love this movie. Are we pretty much settled on that? Oh my God. <laughs> and yeah, everybody damn. should see it, especially if you love horror suspense pictures. Yep. Okay. Buy it. So, yes. And um, don't watch it with your kids <laughs> or do, you know, I don't know, you know, if you want to really mess with them. Start the life. Yes. If you, but it makes sure that you wait for them in their room, hiding behind their door, staring at them with one eye and go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jason, what's your pick? Uh, I think I'm going to surprise you, although you might actually not be surprised at all. Um, I actually went with one of the actresses this time because there was a a, a bevy of actresses that went on to do a lot of other things. Yes. Um, You know, we talked about Olivia Hussey. We talked about Margot Kidder. We talked about Andrea Martin. I want to talk a little bit about Claire. Uh Uh-huh. Lynn Griffin. You know what else she was in? Uh, Mega Shark versus... No. Hemorrhoidal nutsack. No. What? She was in Strange Brew. Oh, hey. Got some <laughs> Another bacon, Canadian bacon, classic. Got some bacon there, eh? Yeah, I'm staying right on with the Canadian theme here. All yes, right. one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a comedy starring uh, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas play uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. And, uh, you know, they're Canadian beer drinkers. And um, I've talked before. This is also my favorite Max von Sydow movie. Ah. Because... He's in this. He plays the brewmeister. <laughs> yeah, so this is, of course, your favorite Max von Sydow movie, as opposed to, say, all those <laughs> popcorn classics done by, by Ingmar Bergman, such as The Seventh Seal or Virgin Spring. Yeah, not so much. I'm not into the hoity-toity. Yeah, really? no. Give me beer drinking and a skunk-painted dog any day. <laughs> <sighs> That's why I have to have you on here, Jason. Well, you got to keep it real. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm here to keep you real. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm such an elite, elitist turd monkey. Go ahead, Jason. Then so it's a strange brew. 1983. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. It's yes. Awesome. Well, my pick uh, is one we've mentioned before. Uh, it will make uh, our buddy Kevin Spencer, who does the fantastic show notes art for us and other wonderful things. Um, but we can't talk about those, right, Kevin? Because <laughs> they're dirty. Yes, the uh, the movie is House of the Devil from 2009. I would say it's not forgotten in the sense that it's so freaking old that nobody talks about it anymore, but it's more or less just this really kick-ass indie flick that um, I think pretty much went under the radar because I'm usually pretty aware of even you know modern horror movies that I'm not crazy about seeing. And I had seen this in, on Netflix for quite some time, and I kept just a blank, ah, I look dumb. I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, wait a minute. So basic premise... <laughs> 
a girl named Samantha, played by Jocelyn Donahue, who had done very little prior to this. I think she was a Levi Jeans model. She's great. Um, it takes place in 1983, but again, I said it came out in 2009. She right. needs some money for a new place she's going to get because her current roommate's a slob. She takes a job with two characters, the Ullmans, played by Tom Noonan, also known as Frankie from the Monster Squad and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff, and Mary Waranov who plays his wife. Uh, she was, of course, in Night of the Comet and then Chopping yeah. All and a bunch of movies. So she was one of Andy Warhol's girls. Eating Raul. Yeah, Eating Raul, a bunch of stuff. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> Dee Wallace has a small part in it. There's a guy named A.J. Bowen. It just got a great cast. And she agrees to help this couple out, played by Noon and, and uh, Warrenoff, to babysit for them on the night of this lunar eclipse. Well, the movie's oh, that kind of, can't end bad. Well, at uh, this house out in the middle of nowhere, and it's great because there is a moment with her and her best friend, who is uh, Megan, played by Greta Gerwig, and, and she, she like is she goes with her. She's like, "Well, you, I have to take you out there, and I'm going in with you." And and she's really trying to talk her out of this whole thing because she realizes it just has, has bad idea written all over it. Now they yeah. never they never specifically tell you when the movie is taking place. Okay, they never say, "Oh, it's mm-hmm. 1983." But the look and feel of this movie is so perfect. Ty West, the writer-director, did a phenomenal job making this feel like it was, period. It was... Squarely it, set in the 80s. Yes, because the opening credit yeah. sequence is... It, the music used like this you know, synth music and the, the zooms and the freeze frames. And even the font was perfect. If you've seen like Hobo with a Shotgun or the trailer for that, yeah. how it has that just the right look. Well, this movie even more so because they shot it 16 millimeter, which explains why the aesthetic of the movie is so right. They didn't use right. video and try to make a lawyer film. It is film. And the, there's another moment later on where the main character is dancing. It's just like this throwaway kind of, I don't even call it a montage. I guess it's, it is a montage of her wasting away the time in this creepy old Victorian mansion in the middle of nowhere on the night uh-huh. of a bloody lunar eclipse. And she's dancing and oh crap, I would, I'm going to kick myself because the name of the song escapes me, but it's this popular song from the era. And it's just, it's so upbeat and it fits the time period so perfectly. Yeah. And it totally does not remotely set you up for the grisly crap that comes at the end of this movie. <laughs> but I really, yeah. I also picked it because it, it, it's a, it's similar in tone to black Christmas. It, yeah. It's got a similar vibe to it. It's slow build, slow burn, um, we know something bad now. Granted, we're more in the dark in this movie than we are in Black Christmas. So that I would say the suspense is not as intense. And also the end of this movie is a lot bloodier, but it's awesome. Uh, Kevin Spencer, like I said, will back me up on this because I know he loves it. House of the Devil. It's available on Netflix. I think it's only DVD, though, right at the moment. It used to be uh, Instant Play, but it's DVD right now. So, yes, please check it out if you can. So, Jason, would you like to do a little feedback real quick? Certainly. All Let's right. hit it. All right. First up, Lorraine. Hey, boys. Just listened to the last podcast. I have to tell you, um, first of all, my name is Lorraine, and I have to tell you, the proper way to say her name is Marga Kogenberger. All the softies, not Marg, just she's not a Simpson. Anyway, keep up the good work, and since everybody says where they're calling from, I'm sitting in my car at the school waiting to pick up the kids. Bye. Okay, Lorraine, not to suggest anything, but how should we take it that you're telling us you're sitting in a car at the school waiting to pick up kids? <laughs> I'm just saying, now, if you've been a guy, I don't think I would have even aired it. 
<laughs> and, and just because there was some wind obviously coming over your phone, because um, I'm assuming you were also on the top of uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> but. <laughs> or in a on a balcony in, in, in Sweden. Sweden. Somewhere. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, she well she wasn't giggling, so she obviously wasn't seeing Blue Peter. <laughs> I, I kid, Peter. Please don't kill me. Uh, yes, Marg. Yeah. So is it? Should I pronounce it? Marg Hagenberg. Is that how? Was that really what I took from that? Because yes, please. Okay. So from now Do it on, again. yes, that would be Marg Hagenberg. Bjork, Bjork, Bjork. All right. All right. And now, uh, next up. It wouldn't be a show without exposing our blue Peter. Hey guys, it's me. Uh, and as you can hear from the car passing in, uh, in the background, I'm on my. It's rain. It's midnight. It's very cold. I'll make this short because I'm in pain here too. Uh, you're doing Black Christmas. I haven't seen that one. I'm sorry to say, but I have ordered it, and uh, images from it. Are, uh, I know, scared me as a kid. You know, the the woman being suffocated by a plastic bag. That is horrible stuff when you're a kid. Uh, well, it is. <laughs> Getting suffocated is horrible stuff, whatever age you are. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it is cold. And uh, I'm a little hoarse. Not a hoarse, but my voice is hoarse because on top of everything else, I'm getting a cold, too. So it's just fun all the time. No, but uh, back to Christmas. I look forward to watching it. It's uh, on its way to me, so I'll... Probably it'll probably arrive in the post in a couple of days. Uh, but I look forward to listening to it anyway. The podcast that is, and uh, I'm going in. It's cold. I'm turning blue. Bye bye. Well, if Peter is in fact a little horse. I guess I would make us little jackasses. So, <laughs> yes, we are. Yes. No, we are big jackasses. He's <laughs> yes, a little yes, horse. Yes. We're big jackasses. Yes, well, so. Peter, thank you so much for calling in. I think that car passing by, like I said, was Lorraine. Yeah. <laughs> um, which explains all the wind. And yes. I, I also want to say, Peter Trooper, I know he's going through some, some stuff right now, not feeling uh, the best. So uh, I want to say thank you so much for calling in, dude. I, I yeah, thanks for taking the time to call. But I'm definitely excited for you to get Black Christmas because I know I being can't the believe, movie Honestly, I'm not going to say, when he told me he hadn't seen that, oh, the voice, I was like, oh, what? Uh-huh. I was a little stunned. I was shocked. I was a little stunned. I was shocked. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. All right, our last feedback comes from the Red K Queen herself, Miss Tawana. Joel and Jason, hello, it's Tawana. Ordinarily, I would not call if I had not seen the movie that you're covering for the week, but I could not let the opportunity go by to wish you both a very happy first podcast anniversary and tell you how much I've enjoyed listening to the podcast this year and appreciate all your hard work you put into the show. As far as the movie goes, Black Christmas... I have seen the trailer, and from that I noticed two things. One, that the movie looks like a film that I would enjoy once I get the opportunity to see it, and it looks really creepy and scary in a good way. And two, it features two actresses that I really enjoy, Marco Kidder and Olivia Hussey, and I just look forward to maybe hearing you cover some of their other films, Superman, Romeo and Juliet, and Psycho 5. Other than that, I'd just like to wish you both you and your families and your listeners a very happy holidays and i'll talk to you soon thank you so much tawana and i just realized i forgot in your feedback you mentioned you hadn't seen either do not listen to the episode (laughs) turn it off now watch the movie (laughs) and then i don't think anybody listens to the show backwards so i know honestly i still don't know that i buy that anybody listens to it forwards but okay i don't think so either (laughs) 
no. So yes, thank you so much, Tawana. I want to say that we're we've had a fantastic year. Our actually our next episode coming up, which we're doing um, um, our third Christmas special. We're doing Gremlins, um, obviously a big hit of the eighties. I was actually thinking about something, Jason. Technically, Tawana is correct. Technically, this episode will air one year from when my groundbreaking—I can't even say it. Hold on, my stellar by myself. I'm trying not to crap my pants. Ten minutes of. What Forgotten Flicks is going to be, you know, if you listen back to it, it's pretty much nothing like what I said. So theoretically, yes, but the real year anniversary, as far as I'm concerned, is when Jason and I actually started doing a real show and not me trying not to piss myself. So that would, in fact, be the Kremlin's episode, which comes out a week from today. Yeah, exactly. Well, not today, because when we're recording, this is like two weeks from when it would, but you get the point. Don't confuse yourself with time changes. Oh, whatever. So, Jason, <sighs> voicemail, feedback. Yep, give us a call anytime, anywhere, uh, picking up kids at a school or on Even if the they're not your own. In so fact, can, no matter who they are, don't please. Do that. Actually, that'd be wrong. Yeah, leave your address so we can call the police. Uh, it is 206-203-0491. Yes, call. and remember... Actually, I don't even know what the hell I was going to say there. Um, I was going to do a joke. I was like, wait, I might want to say that for the end. Um, Yes. (laughs) Check us out on ForgottenFlix.com. That's, of course, Flix with an X. And as someone pointed out to me at work today, so you guys talk about porn? Not Flix with triple X. Yes, one X, just like Netflix. That's Forgotten Flix after midnight. Don't (laughs) don't give it away. Yes. So ForgottenFlix.com. I am Forgotten Flicks on Twitter. Jason is Flicks Sidekick on Twitter. We have the Facebook page, uh, the fan page, and the Facebook group page, which is just jumping. It's jiving. It's it's all kind of crazy shenanigans. <laughs> and don't forget. Hey, shut up. Listen. What? Don't forget. What? Big, oh. big news. Oh, yes. For both of us. Yes. Not only are you going to, can you listen to us on the Forgotten Flicks podcast? But coming up, uh, like next week ish, your misery you... will be strung out over two days. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to be on pop spotting. Yes. Um, which, for those of you who uh, know us or have actually followed the TV show Lost, um, this is one of the podcasts, one of the two podcasts that really uh, we first ever listened to and really kind of inspired us to uh, to go on. Ryan yeah, and Jen Zawa it was did the, it was the two the transmission. Yes, it was the two that Jay and Jack, Ryan and yep. Jen with the transmission. And then remember when we were. Oh, yeah. Remember when with, with Paris and Jay yep. uh, also. Yeah, yep. those three. Yep. But Ryan and Jen now do a um, um, podcast called Pop Spotting, which is fantastic. And they've invited each of us individually because they can't handle us together. Nobody smart. can. You know, that's called just being smart. Yes. Uh, so you're first. Uh, you're one week, and I'm the week following uh, at the uh, end of December. So. Yeah, well, actually, I think, yeah, I'm one week. They're going to be somebody between us, then you, because they also yeah. determined that putting us, bookending us like that might cause some <laughs> kind of rift in the space-time continuum. And crash uh, their podcast, and nobody would listen yes. anymore. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so check them out, popspotting.com uh, or yep. popspotting on iTunes. And thank you so much for having me on. And, and by the point where this is playing, thank you for having uh, Jason on as well. Yes, absolutely. You guys rock. And we want to send a thank you out to both, of course, JV for his always entertaining spoilers, his spoiler mashups, and (laughs) Kevin Spencer for his always phenomenal show art. I will leave it on this note. It's always Merg Hugenberger. (laughs) 